In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27, Paul says, I discipline my body and make it my slave. You know, we often forget, guys, that God has called us to steward the bodies he gave us so that we'll be ready, healthy, and spiritually dangerous to fight the good fight, whether it's working at your job, serving your God, protecting your bride, or being a great dad to your kids. That's why we're so excited to partner with Mountain Tough Fitness Lab. Mountain Tough Fitness Lab is run by Christian men who are passionate about training you to be your best version and to stay dangerous and ready for God. Join me on my journey by going to mountaintough.com. That's M-T-N-T-O-U-G-H and getting your free six-week trial when you type in the code ARENA30. You won't be disappointed. Stay dangerous. We see ourselves as a bad person. The way I see that is like you're one step above death. So you want to just move up the level a little bit and mm. talk about it. It's not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who was actually in the arena, whose face is marked by dust and sweat and blood. Welcome to the Men in the Arena podcast, where we interview specialists in the realm of manhood. Each of our guests is an expert in their chosen field or cause as it relates to men. Our conviction is to call you into the arena of manhood, call you out of the faceless, nameless bleachers, and call you up to be the best version of you. Because when a man gets it, everyone wins. Enjoy today's episode. Men in the Arena Army, we salute you. Hey guys, thanks for listening to this episode of the Men in the Arena podcast. I'm Jim Ramos, your host of Spotify's number one podcast for Christian men and your guide to help you live out as your best version, even during that stress bubble of life while you're raising a family and beyond. Guys, I'm excited about today's guest. This guy is a bondage breaker. Uh, He uses personal experiences and seven steps to help men reboot or reset their lives. I think you're really going to enjoy today's episode. But before we bring our guest for the show on today, I want to talk to you about our man laws. Remember, our man laws are supplied by you, our listeners. And when we use your man law, we will send you some swag when you hit us up at info at menintherena.org with your physical address. This week's comes from Eric Stubbs. He sent in a couple. This guy's the man law master. Anyway, he said this. He said, real men don't eat quiche. They eat scrambled egg pies, and I would add filled with bacon and sausage. So, hey, Eric, thanks a lot for that, man. Law, that's awesome, man. And this week's hero story, we're getting a lot of hero stories lately from women all around the world. And this one comes from Lydia through Instagram, and she says this, I just wanted to say I appreciate your page. It is a privilege to follow. Thank you for tying everything back to scripture. We try, Lydia. Thank you. There are so many pages I've checked out about femininity and masculinity, but they all fall short in resourcing logic and reasoning from God's word. Thank you for presenting God as sovereign authority and inspiration. Lydia, make sure you're checking out our podcast here in the next couple of weeks. We're going to be launching an entire series of equipping men in 10 episodes about why you can trust the Bible. It's going to be good stuff. So thanks, Lydia. Hit us up at our email address. We'll take care of you. Send you some swag. You can pass it on to your man or you can keep it for yourself. Guys, thanks again for making the Men in the Arena podcast Spotify's number one podcast for Christian men. Guys, I'm excited to bring our guest on today, Frank Rich. Frank is 39 years old. He lives in Tampa, Florida. 
Frank's an entrepreneur, former bodybuilder, and the host of the Superhuman Life podcast. He's a men's health and recovery coach. He's the founder of Rebuilt Recovery, helping men become better by quitting porn and rebuilding their lives. He's now helped thousands of men take back control of their lives with a seven-step process. It's a pleasure to have you on the show, Frank. How you doing, brother? I'm doing great, Jim. Honored to be here, brother. Man, I, I just am so jealous of that mustache. I'm just so jealous. I got to pull out one of my pictures from the 80s. I'm, it's so excited that the mustache is coming back. But the problem with the mustache is you've got to have a head of hair to have the mustache. And I am rocking a head of hair. And, brother, I got – so I, I actually had the 80s look dialed into a T. So not only oh. are we bringing the stashes back, which I'm working on some branding hats here. Uh, literally, it's going to say, make stashes great again. It's going to be the red MAGA style hats. I'll make sure when we have those, I'll get one, I'll get one uh, sent out to you. But I got the dangling earring here on the oh, yeah, yeah. here, you... and I'm also rocking the uh, I'm rocking the the permed mullet. So it's curly flow coming out of the back of the uh, of the brill. Uh, <laughs> okay, so, for, so I got to tell you that was that was uh, not even in the '80s when I do that. But I got to tell you, all three of my sons—they're 24, 26, 28—all of them have rocked the mullet. No, I take that back. My middle son didn't. But this key to the mullet is you—you you hit it. It's the perm. It's the business in the front and the party in the back. You got to perm it back there. So, yeah, good job. Yeah, you know what's crazy? You know what's crazy, man, is I was telling you before we were recording how I recently moved up to the suburbs. So, yeah. literally less than two months ago, I moved from really the heart of Tampa. I was kind of living in the downtown close to the airport area. I was like, I'm just at 39, man. I'm like, I'm, I'm more kind of ready to kind of settle down, be away from the city. So, I'm, I'm, I'm living in the suburbs now. So, the gyms have obviously trained all my kind of daily habits and routines. Yeah. I went from training at a gym that was just filled with pro athletes, bodybuilders, competitors, so forth and so forth. And now I train in the summer. It was nothing but high school kids realizing two years ago, I started rocking this every single high school athlete now that I've been coming in across has the same exact flow. And I don't oh, know, totally. if I, I don't think I started it, but I do feel I had it like two years ago before it became a real popular thing. Oh man. Well, you know, and I, you know, I was telling you, man. People say to me, how'd you get that beautiful wife looking like you do? And I said, the mustache pulls and you, you pulled in a beautiful mm. Italian girl. And I'm telling you the Italian girls, I'm Italian. I'm telling you that mustache, buddy. So, so well done on the mustache. You once you marry her, I you can it, shave bro. it. Cause then she can't get away from you. <laughs> that's, 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 that's what I said. I said, Hey, if I can meet you and, and, and pull you in looking like this with a stupid stash with an eighties mullet and a dangling cross coming from my left ear, then I'm going to be able to get away with anything I want in the future. Oh so. yeah. You gotta, <laughs> you know, if you're really hardcore, you'll replace that with a feather earring. That's I think yeah. Dale, did you have a feather earring? No. Okay. Anyway, hey, I, I, all fun aside, man. And if you're an Italian female, don't get mad at me. I'm Italian. So don't think I was being sexist or something. We're just playing around here. So just relax. Hey, uh, so, so, so anyway, so, so Frank, tell us your story, man. So what, what got you to this place? What, what makes you tick? What, what do our guys need to know about you? Whew, that's a big question there, Jim. And uh, if I, if I, I don't want to take up the entire uh, 45, 50 minutes that we have here, but um no, man, I, you know, growing up, I was, I was an athlete, man. I was, I was always involved in sports outside playing baseball, basketball. Like I'm, I'm an eighties, 90 kid, right? Like that's kind yeah. of the generation you mentioned my age there at the beginning. Um, one thing though, that really like shaped my youth and shaped getting into bodybuilding was one particular summer when I was 13 
years old. I, I can remember almost like it happened yesterday. It was the first time. So I, so I was 13, but I had a cousin that was one year older than me. And I, and I went down to spend the summer, at least a good portion of the summer with him. But when you're 13 and you're now hanging out with a 14 year old boy, what comes along with 14 year old boys, 14 and 15 year old girls. And I can mm. remember it so vividly that first summer at the pool, not wanting to take my shirt off because I was oh. a little bit heavy. We yep. bought our jeans in the Husky department at JC Penney's and Sears. Preach it, I don't preach know it brother. Still, I don't even know if that, I don't even know if that still is around, but there was something about that feeling like I had to get my jeans in a special place for fat kids that really planted. And, and I don't want to talk about it from a traumatic experience. It just really drove me that the point that I graduated high school six years later, I was like, I'm going to change. Like mm. I felt empowered now to change the, the way my body looked. And in that first summer, man, like the transformation I went through, what it did with, to me was it proved to me that if you put in the work, if you work hard, if you have a structured routine, if you follow the disciplines and, and you begin to build these practices in your life, not only can you transform the way that your body looks, but you can transform your mind and you can transform your life. So that was really the beginning of bodybuilding for me as far as a lifestyle and practice. Um, and then about six, seven years later, after already having some success kind of in the, uh, the, the working space with sales and kind of corporate leadership and mm -hmm. whatnot, I got into competitive bodybuilding oh. and that became my identity, you know, for, for about 10 years, a lot of the value that I saw in myself was, am I the biggest, strongest kind of most alpha and I'm air quoting that cause I don't yeah. really think that makes a guy alpha, but that was, that was the way that I saw things for, for a very long time. So my twenties and thirties was chasing bodybuilding success, trying to get as big and strong as I could possibly be. Cause I felt that was going to be my identity. You can no longer hurt me. Like I was hurt when I was 13 uh -huh. years old, uh -huh. if I had this shield from the world around me. But the interesting part is while I was chasing succeeding in bodybuilding and I had a little bit of success, more importantly, it showed me what I was capable of. It showed me the discipline, the willpower, all these kind of character traits that I felt I could then direct and, and, and apply them to other areas of my life. So at 30, I got into entrepreneurship. I started my first company, it was, uh, we were a ticket brokerage, um, which was great because once again, it was that same approach, that same mindset is I'm gonna work hard, I'm gonna grind, I'm gonna stay disciplined, I'm gonna deny myself from doing other things to build, you know, to build this, to build this business and build this company. So twenties and thirties, chasing bodybuilding, chasing money, having success, partying, doing all the good stuff. The interesting part though, Jim, is while I was doing all that, I was leading a secondary life. And this actually started when I was 15. So my parents broke up. They got a divorce when I was 15. I opted to choose dad. And with dad came a level of freedom, level of freedom with drugs, sex, partying, kind of all the things that high school kids get into. Um, but while I was doing that, I still maintained a 3.9 GPA. Oh, wow. I still maintained varsity letter in sports. I still maintained winning the award in high school for best all around. So I was kind of living two lives when I was 15, 16 years old. There was a part of my life that the friends that I partied with and drank with and did drugs with and sold drugs to knew that Frank, but the rest of the world knew the Frank that was the athlete, knew the Frank that was chasing greatness, knew the Frank that was going to be something 
in this world. And you do that long enough, Jim, that is going to eat away at the yeah. inside of you, right? Yeah. Because there's this cognitive dissonance. Who am I really? I believe myself to have the ability to accomplish things, but my actions, the, the habits, the life that I was living wasn't in congruence with that. So there probably is what led to a lot of the anxiety, depression, and kind of the, the, the feelings of not being enough that mm -hmm. I struggled with in my 20s. Um, but if we go back even deeper, and I know I'm kind of jumping all over the place here, um, I want to get to the pornography, though, because I think obviously that has been a massive breakthrough mm -hmm. in my life. We mentioned my age a couple times, so 39. So I was introduced to pornography when I was about six years old. I stumbled wow. across my dad's magazine. These women, they make me feel a little bit different inside than, than when I see my mom or when I see the neighbor down the street. And, and there's a kind of this curiosity with a young boy's mind, like, why does this feel good? But I know I'm not supposed to be doing it because dad's hiding it. Um, so I think once again, that was planting kind of some subconscious programming. Like if there's things in your life that you don't want people to know, you just keep them secrets. Mm. Um, but so that was six, uh, internet became a thing around 15, 16. And Jim, I can tell you within the first hour of having the computer in my room, I'd already found the naked pictures. Oh, online. wow. But I never really had major issues on the addiction side of things with drug and alcohol. Cause I felt I was controlling them. Yeah. Bodybuilding. Pornography, though, was just it just became a part of my life. So I was working in the wireless industry when in the early 20s, I was probably one of the first thousand people in the world to have the color screen Blackberry. Same thing happened, though, as it did when I got the computer in my room, right? You know, yep. Blackberry, you know, wow. was kind of the original smartphone. So within an hour of having that, I figured I now I found porn literally in my pocket 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Um, so going through my twenties and thirties, man, it's honestly, Jim, it wasn't anything I ever really looked at as a major problem. You know, mm. when I thought about my behavior with pornography, I knew that maybe it was a little abnormal, like a grown man shouldn't be walking away from social gatherings to go into a private bathroom to watch porn and masturbate because he's feeling anxious. I shouldn't be wow. taking breaks at work to then go into the, you know, once again, a public restroom worried about, you know, somebody walks in, what are they going to hear me doing? But that was the life that I was living. And then some radical moments happened in my life starting around 2017. So 2017, I'd already had my ticket business for about four years. We had just crossed a $2 million mark in total sales. Um, but what I did feel and see was the end of that industry really coming. So in January of 2017, I hired what at the time was my first business coach. And this was a coach that was going to help me launch our online fitness brand, Frank Rich Fitness, which is still around mm -hmm. here today. Um, but I didn't know that hiring a business coach, like I was going to really recruit a new community into my life. So at the end of the first six month stretch with that coach, I had a ticket and an invitation to attend a mastermind event in Toronto. And it was at that event that for the first time in my life, I was surrounded by strong Christian men that were having massive impact and mm. I've talked a little bit about, you know, the relationship with my dad, right? I love him to this day. We just yeah. went into a comedy show a couple of weeks ago. I don't hold anything anger towards him like I used to. I really feel he did the best job that he thought he could do. Um, but there were things that I felt were missing in our relationship. There were things that I felt were missing in him. And I always had this desire to like 
have an incredibly strong family, have the white picket fence, have the father that like sits at the head of the household and is a community leader and somebody that's respected by everybody around them. And that's what I began to see when I got into these Christian business circles. Mm. Um, and there were a series of introductions that came out of that initial mastermind that have, have changed my life forever. One of them was an introduction um, to Josh Kashidorian, which I've had on the show a couple times. I think it'd be a great introduction for you, Jim. Another one was um, a group of men that train at a gym here locally in Tampa called Critical Bench. Um, so I'll talk about Josh first because it was that first night of that event. Uh, typically in the mastermind, you know, you, you go to like a group dinner, you kind of just get to meet, network with people. Somehow I ended up sitting at the end of the table across from Josh and his wife. And at the time, I'm, you know, early 30s, young entrepreneur, you know, doing a couple, you know, six figures per year, having some success, but not knowing really what I'm supposed to be doing next, but also realizing like people in this circle, like don't know the real me. I'm just presenting myself to be the successful business guy. I got issues with drugs. I got issues with porn. I got issues with self-belief, self-image. But that first night with Josh, like the way that him and his wife, Rachel, like just sat there and had a very open, loving conversation with me showed me that there's something different about some people in the world. I didn't mm. know what it was back then, but there's something different about this couple. Like I never felt a pull to somebody like I felt to them. So that was Josh and Rachel and Josh and I stayed in touch. Literally, we still to this day, we talk almost every single day, but for the next year and a half, he and I probably spoke every single week on the phone about what was going on in my business, about what was going on in the fitness business, about what was going on in the relationship that I was uh -huh. in at the time. Uh, so that was Josh. The second series of introduction that came out of that mastermind was to a group at Critical Bench. But this became a place that every Thursday now I got to go work out. I got to train. I got to spend time with, once again, strong leaders, Christian business owners, Christian entrepreneurs. Wow. So slowly over time, it's like I became a part of this family. Mm. Um, and once again, it was the way that these men showed up and loved me. That was different. I'd been around a lot of, you know, successful men. I've been around pro athletes, pro bodybuilders, strong guys with world records in powerlifting and, and national champion bodybuilders. But the acceptance of these men, the, the loving of the brotherhood was something I never experienced before so much. If we fast forward to, uh, this would have been late 2018, probably around August, September. So now I'm a year and a half into the business mastermind trying to build Franker's fitness. We're trying to break through. We're trying to hit that seven figure mark. We're trying to do all these massive things. All my friends around me though are having that level of success. They're in the same mastermind, doing the same principles, sharing the same tactics, same strategies. Their businesses are growing and scaling. Mine is staying stagnant. And I can remember having a conversation with once again, the woman I was dating at the time we were living together. I said, Steph, I don't know what the hell is going on. Like, why can't, why can't this thing pick up? Like my first business, like I had no problem making, making a success, but something isn't clicking here. Um, I'm doing everything they're teaching in the mastermind. I'm having all the conversations. I'm shooting all the content. Why isn't it breaking through? And I, and I remember saying to her, Steph, like Dan is going to church. Mike goes to church. Uh, Chris is going to church. Maybe you and I need to go to church. Maybe that's the missing piece. Maybe mm. we just go to church on Sunday. That'll make my business take off had no clue what I was looking for or what that even meant at the time. But because the, the way that those men began to accept me and that there was something different about all of them, that was the only thing that I connect wow. that, that brought them together was these are men of faith first in their lives. So maybe I need to start putting that first 
in my life. But the interesting thing, Jim, is we actually didn't do anything with it at that point. Stephanie looked hmm. at me and she said, yeah, that could be good. But she had a past in, in Catholicism and she was like, yeah, I'd be open to supporting you. But the conversation ended there. Now that was September of 2018. If we fast forward a month to October 22nd, this was a day that my life changed forever. Now, Josh, who I'd mentioned, I met in Toronto, yeah. he lives in Pennsylvania. Um, I was living in Florida at the time. And about two weeks before the 22nd, he said, hey, man, I got a conference I'm going to in Orlando. This day, I'm free. There's no events going on. Why don't you come over and you and I will have lunch. Once we're seated there, the waiter walks away. Josh literally looks at me. He said, do you mind if I ask you a couple questions? And I said, sure. <laughs> he said, how's your relationship with your father? And what do you know about Jesus? And the interesting thing is Jim normally if if somebody asks you those two questions like you would you would put up a little bit of a guard yeah um like where are you going with this but the fact that I had asked the question that I did to Stephanie four weeks prior mm. to me showed me that here now what I was asking for is here for me today so I better pay attention to what this man is about to say to me um and for the next two hours and we sat there and and Josh shared everything about the gospel, everything about the story from Adam and Eve all the way to Jesus's resurrection and what it meant to me and what it could mean for me moving forward in my life if I was willing to accept him into my life. So, and so he put his hands on me. We prayed together for the first time and accepted Christ into my life. Wow. October 22nd, 2018. Um, and that was and that was the beginning of kind of the rest, you know, of, of, of what I'm doing here today. Now, at first, I had no clue what that actually meant. OK, so I've been saved now. Um, great. What what happens next? Josh is like, find a church, get in your Bible. It's about six weeks until I finally walked into Grace Family Church as the worship music was playing. Like I felt the Holy Spirit in, in me for the first time. I'm like, this is where I'm supposed to be now leaving church that day i realized like okay i've accepted this i'm gonna start making these changes but there's a lot of things about who i am that i need to now change so i was drinking at the time um a lot of it was to mask some of the pain i was going through and building the mm -hmm. business so the first decision i Jim made is i need to stop drinking this this was right around the new years uh for 2018 getting into 2019 so I said, for all of 2019, I'm not going to drink a sip of alcohol. And I knew it wasn't going to be difficult because I'd made those decisions before. It was just actually putting my foot in the sand and being like, I'm going to stop doing this. So alcohol was kind of my life first. The second thing I needed to do is I needed to take my body through a physical transformation. Even though I'd been in the fitness industry, even though I'd been a bodybuilder, the past six months had really let myself go just with all the stress and everything I was going through. Um, so I opted to do what's called the carnivore diet, which was for me just a diet that I knew I could stick to and could produce the biggest transformation in me physically. If we go six weeks into um, 2019, this gets us to the middle of, of February, I hadn't even thought about pornography yet. Like it was just something I would literally, I would wake up, I'd read the Bible uh, like Josh told me to do. And oftentimes the next thing I would do is I'd pull my phone out and I'd watch porn before mm. my girlfriend woke up. So I wasn't, I wasn't making that change yet, but I'd heard a podcast like six months prior. First time I'd heard two grown men both openly talk about a struggle with pornography. I knew guys watched it. I knew that I probably had a behavior that was a little bit out of control, but I didn't know porn addiction was like actually a thing that people talked about and mm, struggled with. Mm -hmm. So it planted a seed once again 
in me. And anytime a seed is planted, like the way that my brain works is like, I need to figure like what's inside of this seed. So while I was navigating this journey of becoming a Christian, trying to navigate this new walk, trying to accept Christ into my life, trying to make these changes, I was researching pornography, porn addiction. I was finding Gary Wilson's work, your brain on porn. I was listening to the Ted talks and I began to see like, yeah, there is some validity to this from a scientific perspective. Like yep, for sure. this addiction, like warps your mind, just like every other addiction does. There's a lot caught up here. I returned back to critical bench. So Zach and I were just having a conversation and uh, out of nowhere in the middle of this conversation, Zach starts talking about these breathing exercises that he's picked up from Wim Hof and how it's helping him harness his sexual energy. This is exactly what he said. These breathing exercises are helping me harness my sexual energy so I no longer have to watch porn and masturbate. Now we haven't talked about porn up to that point. We'd never yeah. talked about masturbation together in 18 months. So I stopped him and I leaned in and I said, what did you just say? He said, yeah, man, I've had a, an addiction to pornography for like the last seven years. Zach is Marine. He fought for our country. He was in Iraq struggling with a porn addiction. Five times a day he would watch it while he was fighting for our oh, country. Whoa. I said, you have a porn addiction, Zach? Like, what does that mean? He started telling me how it's been a part of his life and he struggled with it and he's broken free before, but he's been caught up in this behavior and now these things are working for him. And I knew then and there that something needed to change for me, almost as this was like God's sign to me, like you've been doing all this research, you've been making these changes. This is the last thing I need you to change because there's something, wow. grating, something greater waiting for you on the other side. So after Zach shared all that with me, I said, man, I don't know why you said that, but I feel I need to tell you something. And I literally just laid it all out on him, man. I was like, dude, wow. At the time, been struggling with this for almost 30 years. It's been secrets to uh, every relationship that I have. I've been caught before. I've watched it in, in public places. I have a secret laptop at home that's got a secret uh, login code that nobody knows about. It literally stays in a uh, wow. closet. It only comes out when I'm by myself. I'm like, dude, thank you so much for sharing that because I think that was what I needed to hear. So I said, Zach, I'm committing to two things right now. I'm committing to getting this out of my life forever. Like I'm done. I've, I've looked into it enough. I'm sick and tired of living in shame. I'm sick and tired of not being truthful to the world. I'm sick and tired of going onto my YouTube and Instagram page and telling people that fitness is the gateway to unlocking your potential when I haven't unlocked my potential because I'm still struggling with an addiction. Like wow. I, I, I felt so shameful about the fake presentation of myself that I was giving to the world that I was done with it. So I said, Zach, I'm committed but I need your help, man. Will you hold me accountable? And he said, absolutely, brother, anything you need. The second thing, Zach, is I need to go home and tell Stephanie. Now, we had been dating for three and a half years at the time, and there had been conversations around future, about family, about potential marriage and, and whatnot, but I knew if that was ever going to happen, she needed to know the truth. So I committed mm -hmm. to telling her. And Zach was like, are you sure? And I said, yeah. If, if this is what's going to end our relationship, I'd rather it happen now, wait for it to come out later on down the road. So that drove home, man. I wrestled with it a lot. Like there was a lot of internal like thoughts and dialogue. The enemy is in there. Like, dude, you don't need to go do this, man. Like nobody's ever going to know if you just keep the secret. So I actually didn't say anything to her that night until the following morning. When I grabbed the laptop out of my closet, walked into the room where she was getting ready for, for the day. And I said, hey, Steph, I just need to share something with you. Wow. Um, I know you know that I probably watch pornography, but I don't think you actually understand the depths and level that is actually at. Um, and here it is. Boom, 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 boom. 20 years, secret laptop, private things, conversations, public places. Oh, yeah, when we were here and I went and did this, this is actually 
what happened. So we both got very, very emotional. Um, but I wanted to show her my level of commitment. I said, Steph, I, I just want you to know how truly serious I am. You see this laptop? This is what I've been watching porn on during our entire relationship. I'm going to destroy it right now. And I took the laptop. And it always sounds more impressive when I say I ripped the laptop apart with my bare hands. Uh, <laughs> but I literally took it down the middle. They're made in two pieces, right? I took it down the middle and I just literally tore it apart. So now I have two pieces of a laptop holding it in my hand. And we kind of ended there kind of awkward because it was like, where do we, where do we go from here? We're both incredibly emotional. She's crying. I'm crying. I was like, okay, I need to go make a phone call. So I shot a video for Josh at the time. And this was the first time he heard it all from me. I said, Josh, man, we've been friends for a long time, dude. I know you don't know any of this, but here's my addiction. Here's what I've done. Here's what I've gone through, but here's the changes that I'm making. And at the end of that call, Jim, I, I turned the phone and I, and I show him that I'm throwing the laptop away. And as I turn it back, I said, Josh, I don't know what's going to come out of this. But I know that this is the beginning of something truly great and something bigger than I've ever done. Mm. So that was a day that I took control of my life. Now, the next, you know, three months or so was industry term reboot. My brain rewired, you know, I stayed off of porn. I stayed in the community. I stayed in the accountability. I had difficult conversations with men throughout this period, right? Like definitely wasn't something where I just was able to go without, like I had to make sure I had the, the conversations, the accountability there for me. But I, I did begin to see the world a whole lot differently. And that led me to thinking like, I need to get this message out there. Other people need to hear this. If I've been struggling with a porn addiction, yet I'm a high performer, I've chased greatness, I've accomplished things in bodybuilding, I've accomplished things in business. What about all the other guys that haven't read a thousand books, haven't spent 50 grand on their personal development, don't know the people that I have, haven't accomplished the things. Do they even, A, know that this is a thing out there? And if they did, do they have the tools and ability to work through that themselves? So that literally led me to starting the podcast just to get my story out there into the world. That's, that's the story that's led me to, to where I am today. So you said early on in your story, if you put in the work, and you also said early on that you need to deny yourself from doing other things. So I really respect and appreciate your story, how you're saying, hey, I need to put the work in to overcome this addiction. I need to deny myself certain things. Uh, you came clean with your girlfriend. You shared this stuff with your friends. And I thought that was a, a pretty impressive move. And, and so I want to thank you for that. But you also mentioned doing a reboot. How does a guy, we've got thousands of guys are going to listen to this podcast. How does a guy know if he needs a life reboot, if he needs a, if he's, if he's got something going on in his life, that's hindering him, you had said earlier uh, to unlock your full potential. How does a guy know when he's uh Got, has something that's hindering him from unlocking his full potential. I mean, I think we all have something probably going on in our life, right? Right. I, I, I agree. Who do you know that is truly operating at their highest potential. I don't know anybody. No, beyond um, their beyond their that, social media, their social media images. There's nobody. Exactly right. I know a lot of guys that operate at a high yes level of potential, yes. but never at their full truest potential. So to know if you need to reboot or to know that if you need to make some changes, just ask yourself, am I a human being in 2022? And the answer <laughs> is going to be, yeah. Oh, so that's we all I have changes. We, we want to make now, how do you know what needs to change? I think that is the better question. There is ask yourself, what do you want? It doesn't matter where you want to go in life. It doesn't matter what type of company you want to build. It doesn't matter what type of impact. It doesn't matter what type of podcast you want to produce. All that matters is knowing what you want to do and then figuring out who do you need to become in order to achieve that. So I think if there's something, if you want to know if there's something that needs to be changed in your life, 
get radically clear and honest on what you want out of life and then figure out what the gap is from who you are today to who it is you need to become to achieve what you want in this life. And that will reveal to you either what you need to change, what you need to reboot, what you need to develop or who you need to become. That's really interesting. I call that a vision gap. Where, what is your gap between where you want to be as a person, as an organization, as a family, as a married couple and where you are? So what is the gap? What, what is the bridge that needs to be crossed in order to get to that point? And so I'm going to re-ask a question because I think that you brought something up just now. So that gap is awesome. For you, that gap was something you were addicted to. I'm going to use the phrase bondage. You were in bondage to. So what, what, what are some signs that you've seen as you've worked with numerous myriads of guys what are the signs you've seen that a man is actually in bondage to a thing? His belief, his self-belief oh. about, about himself, um, right? Because guys in our addiction to pornography, like I, that's, that's what I can speak to because that's the conversation that I have every single day. Yes. So guys that are struggling with this and they've said, so most men don't have my story, right? Like most yeah. men didn't live their 20s and 30s just accepting that they had it. Most of the men that are struggling with bondage are trying to break free from it, right? Like they get done with porn and masturbation. They're like, God, I'm so sick and tired of this. Jim, this is the last time I'm doing this. And then two days later, exact same place. It's the last time I'm doing this. Then a week goes by. I made it six days. I'd ne I can never get past that seven day. Or I talked to hundreds of guys. I can never get past 30 days, Frank. How do you reach a 90 day mark so what they've done is they've labeled themselves as somebody that can never accomplish x goal that's oh. an identity that's a lacking of a self-belief in your own ability to what we call create a porn free life so you want to create a porn free life it has to start with your own belief is can frank become the man that can live a porn free life and i think that's why the bodybuilding the success in entrepreneurship were so pivotal in my story because it built internal self-belief it built confidence that if I do the work, if I stay consistent, if I, if I deny myself what I truly want in the moment for what I want longer term, I will succeed. So for me, when I chose to quit porn, failing was never an option. Like when I said I'm done with it, Frank was done with it. Most of the men say they're done, but don't believe that they're actually uh... going to be able to overcome it. So what keeps men in bondage? is their limiting self-belief about how they see themselves in the world. That's really good, man. Well, you know, it's interesting as I'm listening to you, I'm trying to tie everything together and link everything together. And it seems to me, and tell me if I'm wrong here, that your faith in Jesus, your fairly newfound faith in Jesus created a watershed moment where you realized I need to take care of this gap in who I want to become. And your faith in Jesus was the impetus or the motivator that led you to this point where you said, you know what? I'm God's child. I'm God's son. I have what it takes to overcome this. So your belief, your self-belief, which I think is a real thing, and I think that that's really important, it was really rooted in your identity in Christ. Is that is that accurate? Oh, 100%. And that's a, that's a really good distinction there to make, though, because a lot of times when I talk about self-belief, I think Christians here believe, and they're like, well, I believe in God. I believe in Jesus. Like my yeah, identity exactly. is, in, is in Christ. And that's where it should start. So yes, we know who we are and whose we are. That's where the identity is formed. But it's got to come down one or two levels to what is the belief that you're holding 
true yes. about yourself. Yeah. You're uh -huh. telling me that you believe that this God that, that you now have living inside of you resurrected himself from the dead? You believe that and you believe that same power is living inside of you, yet you don't believe in yourself that you could break free from this bondage? We need to actually reassess what do we actually believe. So I already had all the confidence in myself, yep. Jim, right? That was, I was very egocentric. I was very confident, almost to the point where like, I was proud to be an asshole because you can't touch Frank because I'm better than anybody to walk into. <laughs> that, was, that was the perception that I had about uh, myself. I was the yeah. biggest guy, I was the strongest guy. I, I, I put myself in circles where I made the most money, was the most attractive, I dated the most beautiful women. So for me, I had all the self-confidence in the world. What Jesus did for me though, was it gave me the belief in the ability to transform and change who I saw myself as. Yeah. So, and, yeah, I had projection of this confidence, but I also had insecurities about being this insecure 13 year old kid. Jesus showed me that he can break that away from me in yeah. his confidence, his spirit, his power is what's going to become the confidence that I now hold within myself. Well, and what, and here's the deal, man. I, I hear you talking about the ego thing and your self-confidence, but, but you also uh, exemplified tremendous amount of humility to confess your sin, to openly without any kind of um guilt or without any kind of uh shame from being caught you just went out and did it you didn't wait to get caught you made it happen so there's a so there's a lot of humility there and people think that humility is weakness and i think humility is tremendous strength so i, I just want to applaud you for that i think that's awesome uh -huh. and i think guys if you're struggling with any kind of bondage whether it's chewing tobacco porn drinking whatever it is man start taking care of that now before you get caught or before something really goes south and your life is ruined forever and so 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 as you work with guys frank i want to get into your seven steps here real quick all right but as you work with guys i'm really curious and and i'm gonna i'm gonna well i'm gonna recovering athlete right so i understand performance and excellence so guys identify the gap right the gaps are easy to see right i'm i'm this i'm that i'm this i'm that i'm addicted to this i'm in bondage to that so even though guys can easily identify the gap, why do so many men refuse to break free of the things holding them back? Comfort, right? Yeah. Like it's, 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 it's easy um, to just be comfortable. The world is created for us to have everything at the push of a button. We live in a microwave society. You're hungry, push a button, food shows up at your house. Uh, you need to get somewhere, push a button, the car shows up, takes you anywhere you wanna go. Mm -hmm. You're a little stressed and anxious from work, push a couple buttons, some videos will pull on your computer screen and you can make yourself feel good in a matter of handful of, 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 of seconds. So mm. I think we've all just been conditioned for comfort, conditioned for mediocrity. And once again, not you know to toot my own horn here, but bodybuilding is, is uncomfortable. Like you literally willingly your own choice, like nobody tortures you, you torture yourself. 4 a.m. cardio, when you were, you didn't go to bed till midnight and you're on low calories because you're two weeks out from a show and you're 6% body fat and it's dropping daily and you have low libido and your testosterone is plummeting because men aren't supposed to be that low, very discomfortable or very uncomfortable. Like, but it's, but it's willingly putting myself in there. I think most people just are afraid of being uncomfortable that, that they'll just, they'll be happy to stay in the status quo because right it's just like i just kind of i just kind of like fit in with everybody right like i don't i'm not really standing out i'm not really too low i haven't hit rock bottom. it's easy for guys at rock bottom to make changes right because yeah, yeah. it's like you're already already at the bottom but you're coasting through you know 
you, you got a decent salary, maybe making 70, 80 grand a year, you know, so everything is kind of covered, taken care of. You got a couple kids, you got some family, you know, like, so from the projections, like you got the American dream, you got the house, you got the job, you got the kids. So yeah, I'll be okay here. Just kind of in the status quo. I think most people are just too, too afraid of discomfort to actually break through from the bronzes or actually achieve that level of greatness. Well, you, you, I'm going to go back to something you said earlier. I've already quoted you. And I think this is important for guys to hear. If you put in the work, because it sucks to not overeat. It sucks to go work out, bro. My hamstrings hurt so bad right now from Romanian deadlifts yesterday, doing sets of 25 in a hit hit workout. I'm in pain. My shoulders are hurting from doing upright rows. I mean, I'm hurting. I, I know today I'm going to go get yelled at by some 28 year old Peloton instructor who I never seen before. It, it, it's coming, buddy. It's coming. But we hate. We've. I think we've made comfort the god of of United States. We've made comfort God. And I think this is a problem why men struggle because it's comfortable to drop our drawers and sit down or walk into the bathroom at a party and do our thing. It's comfortable to eat three, four helpings to go buffet style. You know, these are comfortable things. So uh, I really appreciate So You've got seven steps that you work with guys. And before I get in the seven steps, I want to stop and ask you one question because right here, can you see what I'm pointing at right here? I see a, a stack of books. Yeah, yeah, those aren't actually books. Those are about 40 journals that I have filled up over okay. the course of 35 years. And I journal, uh, I I'd like to say every day, but you know, that's not true, right? So, <laughs> but I've been journaling forever. How, and I, 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 what I appreciate about your program is, and I, this isn't one of your steps, but, but talk to us about journaling and why journaling is so important. Now, guys, listen, this is going to be a man law. Men don't have diaries. They have journals. Mm. <laughs> Why is journaling so important? Love that, man. And dude, I'm looking forward to one day being able to look back and have 40. I think I'm maybe on journal number five or so right now because I'm a little, bit, awesome. a little bit younger younger than you, Jim, and haven't been doing you it are. that long. But um, <laughs> definitely has <laughs> definitely has transformed me. Um, no, man, I think that there's so much, you know, if, 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 if we can understand that the path to breaking this is going to be through a successful identity change, then we must understand who we actually see ourselves as. Mm -hmm. And I think journaling is one of the greatest practices in doing that. We have an exercise we do inside of our program. It's called our evening reflection journaling. And it's literally five to seven minute exercise. And all I ask of these men is I want you to spend some time every single night thinking about what you've been thinking about. You know, depending upon this, the survey, you know, or the research that you look at somewhere between 12,000 to 60,000 thoughts make their way through our brain or mind every single day. You know, we're not in full control of, of all of these. These thoughts just appear randomly. Sometimes we're like, where did that even come from? So we're not really paying attention to these things. But how do you begin to change the way that you respond to these thoughts? like subconsciously is you need to get clear on what these thoughts actually mean to you. So I had a, I had a, a psychiatrist or psychologist, Dr. John Sh uh, Schinnerer on the show recently, a couple of, a couple of months back. And he dropped a phrase that I never heard before called metacognition. And what oh. metacognition is, is when you open up this gap. So are you familiar with man's search for meaning by Victor Frankl? You know what? I've, I've heard the book. I haven't read it. Yeah. I think it's a must read for, for everybody, but Victor was a, so he was a psychiatrist. He's actually was an Auschwitz, 
uh, prisoner. Yeah, so yeah. he, the, the book was kind of rooted out of his, his kind of breakthrough that he had there. But he's got this quote from the book that in between stimulus and response, there's a gap. And within that gap lies our ability to choose. And it was within our ability to choose lies our freedom. So as we're talking about freedom from bondage, as we're talking about freedom from pornography, we must realize that we have a choice in every single moment. There's a stimulus, there's something externally outside of you that triggers a thought, and then most addicts react. Most addicts will react almost unconsciously to trigger response, now they're already in their habit. But if you could spend time every single day in metacognition or thinking about what you've been thinking about, you begin to open up that space. So now when that thought comes throughout the day, you're aware of it. You're like, oh, I was actually journaling on this two days ago. I know this feeling, I know this thought. Now instead of reacting, you open up this gap to where you now have the ability to respond versus react. See, animals react. Like if I go poke, my dog is sitting on the floor here next to me. If I go poke him, like he may get angry. He may snap at me. That's a reaction. Human beings, we possess the ability to stop, pause, and then respond. And there's a big difference between a reaction and a response. Reaction happens unconsciously. A response happens through the conscious level. So I think that's one of the biggest takeaways is we begin to understand at a deeper level. We begin to possess the ability to pause in the moment when we're triggered, when those thoughts come. And instead of naturally reacting to our old default patterns of behavior, we now can make those proper choices to reprogram new patterns of behavior that we're trying to create for ourselves. So for me, I don't know, you know, if there's if there's other things that people get out of that. That for me has been the biggest, you know, takeaway from journaling. And it's one of the most powerful parts of our program that men tell me all the time, like, I've never known this much about who I am, why I think these certain things, like it's radically transformative. You know, and I think that guys don't bridge that gap through this metacognition phase. They don't sit down and think about what they're thinking about. They just kind of do, do, do. That's kind of how men are wired. But I think it's important. Yeah. It's important for us men to take time and think. In fact, the greatest leaders in history were great thinkers. They thought about stuff and, and got away a lot to think and, and take times in silence and do that. And so I think journaling has been a massive, massive benefit in my life. And I think it will be for these men. I think buying, I think a journal is, is, is important, but Hey, if it's okay with you, we got about 20 minutes. I want to move into your seven steps because these were really sure. interesting to me. I mean, I, I was not expecting this. I thought, man, this is, I, this is going to be fun diving into this stuff. So you have seven steps to help guys uh, break through this bondage, uh, help guys to bridge the gap between who they want to be or who God's called them to be and who they actually are. So the first step is identify and acknowledge your problem and how it is holding you back in life. Do you want to uh, extrapolate on that? Yeah, right. I mean, this is, you know, I don't want to say this was stolen or swiped from, you know, 12 steps, but what's the first, you know, step in any transformational change? Acknowledging where you currently are. We talked about it at the beginning, right? You need to know where you are. You need to have an end destination. So you need to bridge the gap between the yes. vision gap, I think is what you is what you called it. This is that starting point, right? This is when you walk into 12 steps, which I don't buy into. And every day you must raise your hand. I am an addict this thing has power over me. Now we slightly I agree, that, but we must, we must take responsibility for our current status quo where we yes. currently are, but it's, it's the personal responsibility. Your parents didn't do a bad job in raising you. And that's why you're addicted to pornography. It's not because your wife isn't sleeping with you. It's not because you got rejected by Becky at the senior prom. It's not because of any whoa. other reason. Oh, whoa, other whoa, than whoa. That's too close to home. Cause I actually did get rejected by Becky. That's who I took to senior prom. No, that was my junior prom. But anyway, keep going. Man, you're bringing up some scars, man. I don't know. Just keep going, buddy. <laughs> uh, 
dude. Sorry, bro. I, I, sorry, I bro. Come across sorry. Like the, Use another name, the least, bro. The least, the least, com- <laughs> the least common name. So, you say, so you're not you're not addicted to porn because Susie rejected there you. There you go. I don't the, know who that at is. At the senior prom. <laughs> You know what I mean? It's 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 you are addicted to pornography because you possess the inability to self-regulate yourself in certain moments. Yeah, so taking that responsibility must be the first step because if you don't start from there, what will happen is somewhere down the path of trying to overcome this will get difficult. It will get challenging. You will face some discomfort, and you're gonna have this moment where you look at yourself. Well, I'm not actually responsible for getting me here, so why am I the one that's gonna to have to work through this discomfort? This is Thank all the subconscious. Like our mind is so powerful at a subconscious level. So taking that radical responsibility and the ownership that I'm gonna be the one that changes it must be the first step. I don't see it any other way. I think I, I appreciate that because you know we can stop at. 40 years old we got to stop blaming our daddy and our mommy and we start a we've got to figure this out because at 40 our choices are affecting other people our gap our vision gap is creating wounds in people that we're responsible to love and lead and so mm. i think that's such a huge step i really appreciated that step and and actually it's been fun listening to your story because you modeled that in your story so you actually live that out so so step one, I've already heard that in your personal story. Step two is to make, now this one was interesting to me. I want you to explain this. I, this is so intriguing. I, I just love the way you worded this. Make a guaranteed commitment to yourself and another person to change. In other words, accountability. 100%. And this is the first step for men removing shame out of their life, right? If you're struggling in bondage, if you're struggling with porn addiction specifically, you're probably layered with some shame. And when you think about what shame ultimately means, you're telling yourself, it's like shame is you saying, I'm a bad person. Like I am bad. I'm identifying through the shame that I see myself through as a bad individual. If we could just get you out of shame into guilt a little bit. Guilty is I'm an okay person, but I'm doing some bad ah, things. It's yes. the shame that becomes the identity at which we hold onto. And why wouldn't you go tell somebody about your porn addiction? Because you're worried with judgment. You're worried with how they're going to see you and what they're going to perceive you as. So you're worried with I'm a bad person. And if I tell them this thing, they're going to see me as a bad person as well. So that next step must be talking to somebody else, right? Because just in that, you lift yourself out of that shame. You know, there's a powerful book called Power Versus Force by Dr. David Hawkins. And this isn't what he's getting to in the book, but I think, I think my interpretation of it is incredibly powerful here. So Dr. David Hawkins, he's got this book of like the states of consciousness. So you have like enlightenment all the way at the top. There's been only a handful of people that ever reached this in the world. And then you have death at the bottom and everything is in between here. So shame, guilt, um, fear. And then at the top, as you start to get into power, uh, it, it, it now is courage, confidence, acceptance, joy, peace, love, and enlightenment all the way to the top. But if we go down to the bottom of it, so we have death sitting all the way at the bottom, the first step above that is going to be shame. So when we're living in shame, when we're living in, in, in literally like we see ourselves as a bad person, the way I see that is like you're one step above death. So you want to just move up the level a little bit, mm. talk about it with somebody, and that's going to be the recruitment. And that's going to be the part of my story, right, where I brought Zach in. That yes. conversation with Zach, will you hold me accountable? You know, what's interesting is these seven steps were, were developed by me going through my journals and reverse engineering what I did. So I think they're all going to be in there, but yeah. Yeah, no, that, two. I mean, and, and really you, you actually did this with your now ex-girlfriend, right? I'm assuming she's your ex-girlfriend now, but I mean, you did that with mm-hmm. her, you pulled her in to the circle. Yep. And so, and, and you, 
created an accountability partner through through that. I don't know how that played out, but so step three. Now, step three, I know you didn't mean this. It didn't, I don't think you meant this as a spiritual thing, but this is massively spiritual. And I think that this is really important from a spiritual perspective and a physical perspective to understand that you're going, you're going to bridge a gap now. So you're going to, you're going right into the pain, baby. And so I'm going to phrase this a little differently than you phrased it because I I read a couple things down the, the way here. I thought were appropriate. And so I'm a coffee guy. So here's what I, I wrote a water or black coffee only fast <laughs> from food for 40 to 48 hours. Cause you said a water fast, but then you said it was okay to have black coffee. So what you're saying is black coffee or water, uh, fast for, for two days. Okay. Talk to us about where this came from. Yeah. Well, this is the first step in learning to deny yourself, right? You know, yes. you and I both know that the single greatest indicator of success in anything is the ability to delay any type of, of, of gratification. Yes, so yes, yes. injecting that personal sacrifice, that personal suffering into the recovery is only going to set us up for the strength that we need as we continue down the path here. Um, now it's injected at this point for three reasons. And there is the spiritual component. So this is going to, this is going to get us to the fourth step, but the next one is when we want to create a vision for our life uh -huh. without pornography. So we do that at the end of the fast and why we fast because we want God brought into that union with us as we're casting the vision yeah. for our next life. Right. You know, how many times are we called, recalled throughout the Bible to fast, seek the presence of the Lord mm -hmm. in prayer and, 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 and fasting. So I think for us through that fasting, there's that spiritual growth that we get where we bring God into our life. Now we're going to now cast this next vision, which is going to be the fourth step that we're going to get to here. So that's one part why the, we talked about the, the, the ability to delay gratification, right? So anybody that's ever done a 24 hour or a 48 hour fast knows that like you get hungry, usually towards the end of day one, sometimes at the beginning of day two, not ravishly hungry, really like want to chew your arm off, but there is some discomfort. You must learn to sit in that. You must learn to suppress that a little bit, but quickly what you realize is, Hey, when I do these breathing things, or when I just take my mind off of this, or I go outside for a walk, that feeling that I was feeling like it goes away pretty quickly. And what I was feeling a lot of times, that's that uncomfortable thing that when I feel I want pornography feels the same way. So what we got, what we want these guys to understand is through this process is how are you like managing this? How are you able to suppress some of the discomfort? What are you defaulting to, to get your mind off of food? Cause we want to be able to pull that back out down the road in week five, week six of our recovery when pornography is really feeling like it's pulling us. So there's a second part there. And then the third one is actually getting in, into a state of ketosis. So this brings us back into writing the vision for our lives. So ketosis is obviously it's an energetic state. Everybody's familiar with, you know, the keto diet. All this means is your body is now utilizing fats or ketones for energy versus stored carbs or sugar. Now our body prefers to operate in a state of like glycolytic burn, right? So this is carbohydrates. It's like the muscle pump that you get when you go into the gym. That's all yeah. that stored sugar. Your brain though, on the other hand, because your brain is made of fat, prefers to be in a state of ketosis. So as we sit down to, to write this vision for our life, I want us in this clear mental frame. I want us in a clear place mentally through the state of ketosis to help us cast this vision just more clear uh on, on on where we want to go so yeah that's 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 why the fasting is specifically there at that point within those seven steps but it's something we encourage our guys every week to have a 24-hour fast built into their program and fasting for me it's just become a part of of life now you know it was a part of that carnivore diet that i did 
in January. You know, I've gone and done a couple three days. I've done a five day. Um, I regularly intermittent fast once a week. I'll do a 24 hour fast. So kind of a dinner to dinner thing, just self management, self regulation and the ability to deny yourself. Um, is, is what we're working for. Well, you know, that's really good, man. I haven't fasted for about a year and I've done a couple, seven days, multiple threes, many, 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 many one days, but the first three days are brutal. And then after that, you're not really hungry anymore. And this is really good. And one more thing I want to say to our, our listeners, you know, guys, listen, Jesus never said, if you fast, he said, when you fast. So if you're not a guy who's fasting, and I'm convicted right now, guys. I'm feeling the, quote, guilt. Uh, we need to fast, man. This is important. It's important to build that discipline in our lives, and it's important to build that as a spiritual and a physical discipline in our lives. And I will tell you this. I will tell you this. Caffeine and fasting on day seven, don't do it. Don't do caffeine because seven days of fasting, I did some caffeine. It almost killed me. But uh, this is good stuff, man. I appreciate it. Love it. <laughs> so this is now we're going to bridge the gap. So step four we're going to write is to write a vision of the future that you want to create. So, so uh, Frank, how do you structure this exercise? Yeah. So we take them through uh, four kind of four phases. So first is like that big kind of long-term vision, right? Like, so think, you know, three, five years, don't try to go further than five. Cause I think that begins to get a little bit unreachable. I can't see myself Cloudy. 10 years in a row. Yeah. I can see myself five though. So getting really hyper clear on that five year, Mark. And for me, you know, because we have the podcast, the Superman life, we've kind of broken what I believe like a man's life should be into kind of five buckets. So where do you want your faith life to be in, 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 in the future? Right. You know, what does that relationship with Christ look like for you? What does the relationship with a church? Are you doing ministry? Are you going on mission trips? Are you, are you serving? Are you uh, tithing at a, at a, at a, at a regular level? So faith, the second one is the fitness, right? Your physical fitness. Like what do you see your body looking like? What do you see your mental fitness, your emotional fitness looking like? So that's the second piece there. Um, then your finance. So, you know, as men, we're obviously called to, to provide, right? Like, so we need to make sure we have our financial house in order. You know, a lot of men that are struggling, like they don't really feel like they're in their calling or, or, or maybe they're not really doing what they're supposed to be doing. So what will, and what can that look like from a financial standpoint, how much money, what are you doing with it? What investments, so forth and so forth. Um, the fourth one is going to be the family dynamic. So family is obviously your direct home that you're responsible you know, for, but then also the family is kind of that circle that you allow to speak into you. So your friends, your networking, your community, your mastermind that you're involved in, that's kind of the family piece. So it's getting really clear on all these areas of our life five years into the future. And then the fifth one is the freedom, right? Yeah. Fully clear, you know, free of all bondage and addiction, but also the freedom for me is what are men doing with the times uh, in their day outside of work, outside of personal maintenance and hygiene, family commitments. Like a lot of guys don't have an intentional plan about developing hobbies, developing skill sets. It's like once a, you know, once a job and family's taken care of, it's like sitting down and watching football or Netflix, not a, not a productive life in my opinion. So that's the five buckets or areas. So we start five years. We then want to bring it down one year. And with each one of these, it's not just like a goal list. I want to make a million dollars. I want to have a big house. I want to have a beautiful wife. It's no, have these goals, but then in the process, figure who you need to be in order to achieve them. That's the, that's the big piece there is who must we become in this process? So we go five years, we then bring it down to one year. Um, and then I like to bring it even closer home. So in our program is four months long, we cast a four month vision. So at the end of this rebooting phase, what can your life and what will it look like and who will you need to become? So that's the first three is like projecting it all forward. And then the, the, the fifth one, I don't know if this is actually the fifth step or if this is a part of this, but it's, it's writing it, of what happens if you fail. 
Ooh, so yeah. it's all, it's all glossy, right? Like we can create this, you know, beautiful picture of our life that'll drive us, motivate us a little from a, from a pleasure perspective, right? Like if we achieve this, we're going to feel good, but there's two driving forces or two motivators in, in, in humans, right? The pursuit of pleasure or the avoidance of pain. If we could get radically honest with ourselves, if we're caught up in bondage right now, we don't like where our life currently is, but just like things will compound in a positive way, things will compound in a negative way. So thinking mm -hmm. five years into the future, if you don't get this out of your life, how bad do things spiral out of control? Once again, this begins to kind of plant itself in the back of your mind from an un unconscious standpoint that when you're kind of going through and you're forced to make these decisions, yeah, it would feel really good to go look at pornography right now. But Frank, you remember last week when you wrote out this vision and you got really clear that if you don't quit, your life is going to be horrible. Your wife's going to leave you. You're never going to make the money you want to make. You're never going to accomplish the things you want out of life. So it becomes this secondary driver from a fear component for these men to stay consistent within the plan. Well, this is what guys don't understand. And Frank, you said something really important. <clears throat> there is a compounding effect of life. And there is a point where a guy gets to a point in his life. And if he hasn't done the right things, he needs a miracle to break free because life has a compounding effect. And so that's very, very powerful. But I don't want to discount what you just said there, Frank. So, but, so step five is creating an actual action plan for a 90 day reboot. So what does this look like? Is this where the five buckets come into play? Yeah, so this is, okay, this is now we've cast the vision for what we want out of life. So we uh -huh. have a, like we have an external aim and goal that we're working towards. But in that casting of our vision, we got clear on who must we become. So in order to become somebody, there's probably going to be a change in values, principles, belief systems about how you show up daily. There's going to be a change in your daily actions and habits that you're taking. Like you just don't automatically decide to become a person and then not make any changes in what you're doing daily. And then one day wake up as that new person. So figuring out if I'm going to become this person that's going to accomplish X things, who must I become? What time do I wake up? What time do I go to bed? What's the first thing I do in the morning? What's the last thing I do before I go to bed? What's the first phone call I make? What text message do I send to my friends? What outreach do I do? What conversations do I have? What things do I consume? What things must I not consume? Mm. So it's just getting radically clear and almost making a step-by-step to-do list for yourself day after day after day after day of this is what I must do in order to become the person that I need to be in order to achieve the things that I want to achieve. So for men that are struggling in bondage, what things are leading? So what are the trigger points for you? What situations and environments should you avoid? What places you want to make sure you inject yourself in? What conversations, what principles, what beliefs, what books are you reading? What TV shows do you watch? What music are you listening to? Begin to get really, really clear on all of these things and make that your blueprint for life. Mm -hmm. And then all you got to do is now you got you to plan, just, just, just execute the plan day after day after day, it's going to compound. But over time, the brain begins to reboot and reset. And these things over time will become unconscious programming. But in order to change your subconscious programming, your unconscious way of thinking, you have to be intentional about injecting conscious thoughts and actions into your life. Yeah, it only becomes uh, unconscious after you've been intentional over time. Again, mm. it's that compounding effect. It's a compounding effect of being intentional. That makes yes. something like, like I know that you and I, I'm going to work out four days a week, five days a week. I'm going to do it. It's been built into my life since 14 years old. It would be almost impossible for me to not work out as much as I hate it. <laughs> you know, say, you know what I'm saying? Because it's built in yeah. to our psyche. Now I hate to use that word, but over time and it's compounded. Right. So that's really good, man. So I love your step six and I can just, I can see Frank rich writing this down, man. 
with our interview today, I go, man, I can see this in you all day long. This didn't surprise me. So expressing gratitude. What does that look like for uh, our guys who are working through these steps? This is step six. Man, this starts the minute we wake up, right? You know, we've been talking about this kind of mindset belief of a lot of these men, you know, they're such in a negative way of thinking. They're in a negative view and perception of how they see themselves. Um, many of them from the minute their eyes wake up every single morning, they're like in panic, you know, fighter, fight or flight mode. They're like constantly like, how, how am I even going to do this today? Yeah. We could stop for a moment and just be grateful that our eyes are, are even uh, like open. Like we have, we have another opportunity to make the changes in our life. Like what an incredible gift we have, right? Like, like life, it truly is the most amazing thing, but there's a powerful thing that happens when you begin to practice the state of gratitude, because gratitude isn't just not you pulling out a journal and writing some things down on a piece of paper. There's some powerful thing that are going on, like in your brain from a neurochemical level. So with the act of gratitude, when you really begin to experience it and feel the, the gratitude, not just I'm grateful, like I'm feeling the way that this makes me feel. I'm, I'm grateful for this. When you do that, you release uh, serotonin in your brain. Serotonin is a chemical very similar to dopamine. It's a feel good, but it's feel good for what you have. Mm. Dopamine is I'm going to feel good for what I'm going to go get. Serotonin is I feel good for what I have. So when we can be grateful that we have life, then we don't need to go chase external things to bring pleasure into our life. And here's the interesting thing, right? Because the mind is so incredibly powerful and guys that are caught up in bondage, they have a negative view of the world. Everything about them is, yeah, that's not me. Yeah. I'm never going to be able to victim, overcome that. Victim. God, I, yeah. Vic, victim, 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 right? Um, but what ends up happening because our brain has this, this part sits in the prefrontal cortex. It's called the RAS reticular activating system. And all this is there to do is it shuts off what's not important to us. And it presents to us what we tell ourselves is important because when we look out in the world, there's no way that we're going to be able to see and process everything. Our brains are just not big enough to do that. But with this reticular activating system, the, the world shows us what we believe in telling it that it's, that it's important. And I can back this with some proof because when you're walking through a crowded place, you, you hear noises, right? But if somebody says gym, you will hear gym. You that happened last Frank. night. It happened last yeah. night on my date with my wife. Somebody said gym and we both turned around. Absolutely. Yeah, because Jim is an important name to you. I would hear Frank though, right? Yep. Um, and then here's another example. Anybody that's ever bought in a new car has experienced this. You're going through different dealerships, you're shopping online, you're pulling up different options. You're like Red Mustang, Red Mustang, Red Mustang. You're maybe test driving a few of them. You don't really see a lot of Red Mustangs. You're like, I'm gonna get the car that nobody else has. The minute you sign that paperwork at the dealership, you pull that lot off the, you pull the car off the lot. What's the first thing you see? All sorts of Red Mustangs all red Mustangs, right? You realize like six people at the gym had the same car as you do. The neighbor down the streets had a red Mustang parked in his, parked in his garage. That car yeah. has always been there, but because you were placing red Mustangs important in your world, your reticular activating system begin to tell you, Hey, red Mustangs are important. I took a trip two months ago. We drove uh, from Tampa to Franklin, North Carolina. I took my dog with me, Bentley. He's my best friend. We'd like to go on a lot of road trips, but it was interesting. Cause I got to Franklin. Like I had spent nine hours in the car with him, got to Franklin. I was like, I love this town everybody's got a dog like every car i was seeing driving through the road had a dog but then i got back to tampa five days later after the trip i'm like everybody in tampa has dogs now too 
Because to me, the conversation that I had with Bentley in the car was something that was important to me. So my brain said, dogs and cars are important to Frank. Let me turn the reticular activating system on to start showing him what's important. We're going to show him these dogs in these cars. So you begin to practice gratitude every single morning. What's going to happen is over time, the world will begin to show you more things to be grateful for. You'll just stop living in the victim mindset. You begin to experience the joy in living your life because you've been intentional about practicing gratitude. So now the world is going to show you more things to be grateful. For. You know, it's really interesting, Frank. I'm going to do two equipping podcasts on two ways that I pray. And one of those ways is the Lord's Prayer in Matthew chapter six. And the Lord's Prayer starts off, it has two, two aspects in the beginning. Our Father who is in heaven and hallowed be thy name. Those two very different prayers are both prayers in some way of gratitude. One is praising God for who he is as a father. The other one is thanking mm -hmm. God for, for his thanking God for his character and nature and reflecting on that in your life. And so it's really interesting. So even Jesus, when he taught us to pray, realized the value in that. And so speaking of mm -hmm. Jesus, so let's get to seven, step seven. And I know step seven has a, it's, it, it kind of converges with two faiths. So step seven is have faith and belief in yourself that you can succeed. We've already tackled this a lot, but I'll let you uh, seal the package up here. Yeah, right. I mean, we, we mentioned it, you know, at, at, at the beginning. So, you know, all change is going to be dependent upon your belief within yourself to succeed because it's not going to happen overnight. There's going to be struggles. There's going to be trials. There's going to be setbacks. There's going to be overcoming throughout, throughout this entire journey. And if at any point along that journey, you are holding any disbelief or any lack of belief that I can have what it is I'm working towards, I'm going to tell you there will come a point that you will self-sabotage because the only job of your subconscious mind is to make your reality match what you think about yourself. Mm. Say it again. The only job of our subconscious mind is to make our reality, the world that we're experiencing living, match what we believe and hold true about our identity within ourselves. So you can go six months. You can go a year. I've had this happen. I've had this happen with men telling me, Frank, I don't know what happened. I was clean. I was perfect. I was so good. Then a year went by and I caught myself in exactly the same position because somewhere in that man's mind, he did not possess the full belief in himself that he was ever going to fully be able to break this bondage. So this is seven. This could be six, five, four, three, two, one. This could be the most important step in there. That's why we talked about it at the beginning. And that's why it is actually at the end, because without this, without the belief, Yes, belief in God, right? Belief in Jesus that he's going to give you the power to transform and change. But most importantly, bring it one or two layers down because you are the one that actually has to step out and live this out. Jesus isn't coming down to live your life for you. Exactly. He's going to give you the power to do it, but you must believe that you can do these things that are necessary. So, yeah, that's, I mean. Well, hey, Frank, so, so, so here's the deal, man. And you, you shared this as well. This is part of my story. Before I was a Christian, I celebrated porn. We would bring the guys over have pizza watch porn high five i mean celebrate it and because of jesus we are now motivated to live a holy life and that's where it starts because of jesus we live the holy we motivate ourselves to live a holy life however we have to make that decision to live out the holy life right jesus in us will help but we are the ones yes. responsible so man i really appreciate this conversation it's been so much fun and and it's always great to have an introvert on who doesn't like to talk I'm just kidding, man. But I mean, you're so fun to be on. I really enjoyed our time together, Frank. And so, um, how can our guys get a hold of you uh, or get a hold of your program or resources? 
Yeah, absolutely. And I appreciate, I uh, appreciate the gym and, and I've enjoyed this as well, brother. I'm looking forward to, uh, you know, flipping this around and, and having you on uh, the Superman life. But yeah, anybody that's, uh, you know, wants to connect with me, the best place is on Instagram, very active out there. It's at coach Frank rich. I'd also say go check out the YouTube channel as well. Uh, I've been doing videos every single day since July yeah. of 2020. So over two years, we've done a video every day. That's also at coach Frank rich. Um, and that seven step guide you can download at uh, the seven step guide.com. Well, I appreciate it, man. I'm going to your, uh, I'm looking for your Instagram page right now. Uh, and I'm, I'm my fat fingers are not going to get me there. Here we go. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Oh, here we go. F Coach Frank rich. All right. I'm there right now, guys. So it does exist. So guys head on over, uh, talk to Frank. He's, he can help you in a lot of areas of bondage, help you bridge that gap between who you want to be and who you are today. So guys, let's get our boots on the ground. What is the next action step we're going to take because of what we've heard today? And you know what? I'm going to make it real simple, guys, today. And actually, we are about a two or three months away from offering this at our store. But you guys need to buy a journal. You go on Amazon, go somewhere. You can get them pretty cheap. Buy a journal and just start practicing. Go through these steps, practice it, work on the journal. Just reflect on the things that you're reflecting on. Think about the things you're thinking about and write about them. So I think this will really help you guys to interpret who you are and the voices that you're using, the things you're saying to yourself. So guys, make sure you do that, guys. And make sure you head on over to our website, manarena.org. Grab your free copy of my book, Tell Them what great fathers tell their sons and daughters while you're there, join our program. We're in the middle of our fall launch. We've got spots open right now, guys. So make sure you click that button. One of our many, many uh, volunteer national team captains will be in contact with you, get you on one of our teams until next time. Feel the wet sand on the arena floor, hear the deafening roar of the crowd, taste the sweetness of victory, smell the stench of battle, get in the game, get dirty, grind it out, bridge the gap and be a man. You've been listening to the Men in the Arena podcast. If you hunger to be your best version, then join thousands of men from around the world in our Men in the Arena forum on Facebook. This is the best place to have open discussions around the topic of biblical manhood. Make sure to explore our website at meninthearena.org, sign up for the weekly equipping blast, and take advantage of our many free resources designed to help you become your best version of a man. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Men in the Arena podcast. Remember, when a man gets it, Everyone wins. What type of dad are you? Guys, in my 35 years of ministry, I've noticed that guys basically fall into two categories. And in those categories, there are four types of dad or four phases that you pass through as a dad. We just dropped an amazing quiz to help you discover what type of dad you are. Find out what type of father you are and get our custom resources fit to meet the needs and the questions you are asking. Head on over to menarena.org. Join 20,000 men for from around the world and find out the type of dad you are.